Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recovery Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started RecoveryYourSoul.net after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery and help others to transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, subscribe and receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. I know that together... We can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul. If you are new with us, I say welcome to the Recover Your Soul community. And if you're back with me again, I say thank you so much for continuing to choose to spend your time with me and Recover Your Soul. It really means so much to me. I am here this morning with my sweet and wonderful husband, Rich. Good morning, darling. Good morning, honey. If you'd known us a lot of years ago, you would think that that little interaction right there was just not ever going to happen, but here it is, the two of us happily married again. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about Richard, and I wanted to have his story more because there's a lot of changes happening in his life that are so inspirational and so meaningful because it's part of how our lives are really growing and changing and moving together because we both on our own are doing our separate work. He is very generously offered to share of his life and heart today. I told Rachel that I get just as nervous coming on her podcast as I do for any other performance, (laughs) musically or anything else. It's a lot to share yourself with everybody. So thank you for being willing to be open and vulnerable. Last night, we went up to Vail, Colorado, which is about two, two and a half hours away from where we live because I was a speaker at a Unity Church up there and the weather was going to be a little tenuous. So he came along with me to be my support and driver, which I really appreciated. And as we were talking on the way up, something really big happened with for him yesterday. He was accepted in as a drummer into a band that he has been trying out for and communicating with for a couple months now. Not quite. Maybe a month. Maybe a month now. And they just gave him the news yesterday that he's been chosen as the drummer. And the story that goes with it is a story about soul recovery. The story that goes with it is a story about 
the changes that have happened in his life. And he's been generous enough to share a little bit about that. So let's go back a little bit and talk a little bit about your control addiction, that this is what we talk about a lot in Recover Your Soul. So outside of our being alcoholics, Rich, what what would you say your control addiction is different from now than it was in the past? Well, it took until my 50s to be able to reflect and see how controlly I was from way back. I think it really starts when I'm just a wee little tot growing up in LA, a land of everything cool that's happening. We're talking West Los Angeles, Venice Beach, Hollywood. And I was I was right there in the thick of it, looking at people that I thought were so cool, so connected, just could do anything. And I aspired to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that stuck with me for a long, long, long time. And I've always wanted some aspect of super cool or being cool or doing cool things in my life. That was in LA, that was your mark of having arrived, right? That that you were part of a a cool group of people. Yeah, the first cool thing I probably landed into was skateboarding. And mm-hmm. I was lucky to be on a skateboard at like four years old with metal wheels. I mean, you know, cutting old metal skates in half that goes back that far. So there you go. I'm dated. I was right there, you know, in Santa Monica with the Dogtown crew and I'm watching Jay Adams and and Tony Alba and all those guys skate right in front of me. But I'm just, I'm like three, four, five years behind them. So at that age, you're just like, it's like you're looking at Jesus or, or, uh, you know, a rock star, but it, it pumped that into me and, and I skated a lot and I always wanted, I always wanted a crew, you know, we, I always wanted cool people around me so I could feel cool. So I could have a cool life. You know, did you feel like a leader when you were younger? No, not quite because, um, I was always small. I didn't grow until I was like 21. I, even at, at 17 and seven eighths, you know, I wasn't even 18 yet. I graduated from high school and left California and moved to Colorado. And I would say I was 17 looking like a 15 year old, you know, and it was here that I grew up and physically grew. And just because of that, you know, when you're young, you know, the big kids get more attention and get to do more in a a way. So I was, I was in the middle. I wasn't a total dweeb follower, but I wasn't a super leader either. I was, Mm -hmm. I was in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. If that makes sense. And then just to sort of push forward, your brother had been a drummer. He had had a drum kit when you were growing up and you used to play around on it, but you had a drum kit when I met you, but you never really had come into drumming. Is that right? That's correct. So I guess that plays into into this whole wider story that I sang in a band in 1987 and 88 in LA when I had gone back there for a brief time. Just a side note, the pictures are fantastic. This was in the 80s, and he was full on bright blonde hair with a total rocker. You were you were pretty hot, honey. Well, if I had kept going, I, I maybe could have been deeply embedded and successful in the rock and roll scene. Yes, tight jeans with boots on the outside. Right. Yeah, GNR yeah. had just come out, and 
and all that. So I'm singing, but I always had my eye on, on the drum kit. And I just felt like I didn't get started early enough. And, you know, you just, that there's a little bit of the doubt we're going to talk about mm-hmm. that, you know, or the resistance. I, I've always been somebody who's had a lot of things to choose from in my life. I've, I've been blessed to have been raised in LA, you know, middle, middle, upper class, tons of things to choose from to do, almost too many. That's part of my story. I, I always admired the prodigies that knew exactly what they were good at and what they wanted to do and just excelled. You know, that's part of this. It's like I aspired to the, to that. And I bet people out there can relate. I kind of wanted to do too many things, but in the end it's it, it's served me it's been good i do a lot of different things and it's and it's been a great life thus far well i remember you saying something at one point that you had such a wide variety you were a great artist and you were interested in music and you're a surfer and you're a skater and you had this this whole sort of interest level and your parents took your i'm totally gone off the topic of what we talked about we would talk about but took your art skill set and said, oh, the sure thing to do would be to be an architect. Well, that's a good point. Or to be a, you know, to go go take this and do something safe. Go down this road and be a, do the safe, good thing. I don't think you got off topic. You just pulled it right back in because, yes, there, there was this do the right thing my whole life combined with I want to be rad and cool and do something amazing. Yeah, that was like this duality, this this pole. This dual purpose. Right. Dual and you pole. see these people yeah. who are out there doing these sort of not the right thing, not the safe thing, not the. I saw a lot of that. Saw, you know, and that was desiring. LA. And yet, <laughs> you know, you have this pressure to be, pick a good, solid thing. Yeah. Yeah. So coming to Colorado was sort of part of that do the right thing. You know, I came here, I continued my education, not extraordinarily, again, kind of middle of the road. I, I got an associate's degree in architecture went out and became a $8 an hour draftsman and realized, oops, that's not going to do the trick, you know, but I was starting to somewhat self-sustain and, you know, build my life and get off the parents and went back to school. Went to see you to study architecture. And in the second, here's where the one, one little first story kicks in. In the second round of education, I'm slightly older student. I'm at CU Boulder, still in architecture. And, uh, I meet a crew. I finally get a crew. It might've been you know, really upon growing up a little more and getting out into the bigger wide world, I think this was my first crew. It was Rob and Chuck. Which we're grateful for them because that's how we met. That's how we met. That's right. So simultaneously, uh, I'm working in a restaurant, which is kind of new and different. I wasn't really a restaurant guy, but I needed a job while I was in school. And I meet a guy. This is the early 90s. This is like 1990. And bungee jumping has just hit the scene. Right. And... I had friends that, those cool friends, okay? I referenced this, the the early LA cool people. I also had these really cool friends that I was starting to get to know at CU that were snowboard photographers. And the, this other guy was going to start his own bungee company. And I'm again, I'm looking at those guys like, oh, I want to be more like those guys. I want to do that. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, I'm waiting a table at this restaurant and this other guys like looks at me and recruits me. He goes, I got a balloon and a bungee company. You want to be on the crew? I was like, yes. <laughs> that sounds rad. It was yeah. cool. So to try to get to the point, we get out there, we're doing this thing. I'm making several jumps 
I recruit Rob and Chuck to be my crew, quote unquote, you know. Because we're talking about control addiction. We're kind of talking about the way that we take the world and try to mold it into what is comfortable or what we want. That's right. And I'm glad you brought that back around because that's what this is about. I, I had this, like this burning desire to do cool stuff like that and to recruit my, my friends and to tell them how it was going to be and how how it was going to be so freaking cool. Right. And this kind of hit. To do it a little way you like to call the way you want it done. The way I wanted it, the way I wanted my life to look, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and feel, you know, it gets to this point where we've gotten out a few times and I'm trying to be the crew the crew boss in a way. And I'm like, okay, Rob, Chuck, you know, we're in this field and we're 6 a.m. sharp and da 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 da. And we are, I believe I'm telling them this the night before while drinking, partying college style. And I get a little too anxious and a little too up, up in the energy headspace of like crew leader. And just like a switch, Chuck just goes, I'm out. It just, mm. you know, the energy. My, my energy of, I'm going to control this, and you guys are my guys, and we're doing this. And I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm going to tell you what to do, what we're doing. Yeah. Chuck just goes, boop. He just repelled right into out into the lifeboat, and he was out. And I and I was kind of like stunned. I didn't know what that was at that point. I, right. Of course, I didn't know at all. But then I also relate this to my business, which is celebrated 25 years, which I can't believe, sweetheart, that... I raised, we raised a family on hard art, my company, which is kind of like an art project one at a time. Just a little offside. So Rich was in college when we met and he was studying architecture and we got married and he promptly went and did the right thing and started working for an architecture company to get his apprenticeship, to get his qualifications as an architect. And he used to come home and just say, if I have to sit at a computer, I think I'm going to die. I think I literally, my soul is going to die because he's such a vivacious, energetic, out there person. And as he was doing this right thing that he was told by society, by his parents, that this is what you do. This is how you're a good man for a family. He was dying inside. It was bad. Yeah. And when he found stonemasonry through just doing side hustle for somebody, he lit up. And when he started remodeling our home, he just lit up. And so... So it became a construction company. So it became a construction company. And he has provided for our family and done art and done amazing things and did follow your heart. Indeed. So back to the control of crew, right? So in in my business, Hard Art, I'm kind of a... You might say I'm kind of a one-man force, but it's hard work. I say it's it's hard work, hardcore, hard art. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, always need it, you know, an extra body or two or three and more than just labor. You know, I try to create fellow craftsmen. And I, at first, re- remember at this time in my life, I'm an alcoholic. I drink right. all the time. I drink all the time. And when you drink, it it like, it's like rocket fuel to your manic ideas, aspirations, goals, you know, these, these these expectations that you're trying to create. At least it was for me. And so I'd get these guys in and I'd try to like clone myself. It's like, man, isn't this great work? And here's how you do it. Here's the technique. Go, 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 go. And my experience there was 
nobody really, it didn't feel like anybody had the same drive as I did. And I was basically trying to control their lives, you mm-hmm. know, just mm-hmm. trying to fit them into my grand plan and my grand vision. So you talked about this last night up in Vail, the difference between the driver's seat and the passenger. And I was struggling to put into words what you were what you were describing last night. And then it just hit me like a bolt of lightning on the, on the forehead that I've been living this, this dynamic my whole life. And that's what we're, I'm trying to ex- explain is that I was in the driver's seat trying to create some grand plan and forcing everybody into my vision most of my life. Uh, when and I when fo- it didn't work out well, what did it feel like? When it didn't, when people weren't responding to you the way that you wanted, what well, does that feel like? I can tell it felt like? frustrating. Mm. It, it's like, what's, what's wrong with everybody else? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Why can't they do what I want them to do? You were disappointed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that came into our marriage. Mm-hmm. You used, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a branch we could go down to. Disappointing, frustrating. Um, you're kind of wanting to whip the world into shape. To your to your specifications, you know. You felt Control. abandoned a lot. Yeah, a lot of abandonment. So let's move to the experience of the week or of the month, which which is this new band. I have had the most interesting and really lovely journey. There's the emotion. Mm. Silly, just over abandoned music, right? Of. Understanding what you've been talking about, about the passenger seat, get out of the control addiction, move over to the passenger seat, dance with my higher power, trust in my higher power. So when you were 36, you met somebody on a job who said, oh, my band needs a drummer. And you're like, okay. And that was how you stepped into, re-into this part of getting back into music and into being a drummer. You just brought that back. I didn't even think about that. That's the big, big moment that at 36 years old, I actually really, truly started drumming. So a late start, but boy, it's never too late because that band, maybe that was the first time I did allow spirit to just guide the situation. I just went in and just did the best I could. I remember I just went in there because I had the the dream, the goal, the desire but I didn't know anything, man. I went in there and all I did was just slam the hardest, steadiest beat I could. And guess what? They freaking loved it. <laughs> you know, cause, cause that's a drummer's job. So I got the gig and it lasted eight years. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that situation, I think that sort of pulls into the other one is in that situation, you were still learning. And so it was easier for you to sort of be on the side and not feel like you had to control it. And as you got better, that part of you that was still a con- that has the control started to move forward. And as that band started to end and you started moving into other things, I think the aspect that you have of wanting to create what you want took control in what went forward in your band experience. In my life, I think it's the juxtaposition of confidence versus control right so allow yourself the the building of the confidence but the humility has to stay in there and the openness and trust and the trust thank you so that that darn control button doesn't keep kicking in right and we don't have to talk about all the incarnations of the various bands but in covid clearly the music industry fell apart 
And you had a band that was pretty darn solid and was really filling your bucket before COVID hit. It was had a bass player you'd been playing for with for a while, had Chris um, Mack, who is in one of the episodes with me as the lead singer and, and is in recovery with us and was it had amazing. a lot of Young Stoke, Young Stoke mm-hmm. Garage Band. We were barely playing out, so we just had all the energy in the world. And you guys were practicing a lot, and and there was a real energy when they came into the house and just had friendship, and you had that crew. Yep. You had that crew, and it was really filling that bucket for you. I got to tell you, that could be, you know, the first, well, yeah, because playing with, God bless him, Jim in that band for that first eight years, it was a crew, but it it was more a band with a purpose, and and we did it. I think what you just described, uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug all the names at least. Core Shot was, was probably like a point I had finally reached. How do you like to say it? I had finally got there. Um, it was, it was, it checked all your boxes. Really of what you felt wanted. surrounded by killer guys and that, yeah, that crew that I had been wanting since I was about eight years old. Exactly. Yeah. And then COVID hit and it splintered. But I put myself out there and bang, I struck gold. I, I found a singer. And shortly after, a guitarist, and then took a while, and, and a bass player. So, course shot is still intact, but it was it was more loose. That that was starting to be what we're trying to talk about here, which is leaning leaning in. You said I was pretty pretty upset and distraught, but I think I just started to learn how to lean into the unknown. I don't think you were distraught. I just think you were a little heartbroken. But you, oh yeah, but yeah. you you leaned in. What I love is that you, this process versus the process of pushing and saying, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to be. It was the beginning of you starting just to say, okay, spirit, what's next? I'm curious to what is next in it. And I trust and I know that there's going to be something. Help me to what is coming next. Exactly. I learned that it didn't work. I started to see that forcing it doesn't work. I just started to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, You could say I was about 50-50 there. I wanted it really bad. I didn't want it to die. Right. But forcing it was not going to work. So I just, I leaned into the trust. I I leaned into the discomfort and especially the unknown. People that came, it's so interesting to me because each one I recognized and witnessed you be very different than maybe how you were in hard art and with your crews where if it didn't, somebody didn't show up the way that you expected the disappointment that used to just be the flash bulb on the top of your head. That was Mm -hmm. just like massive disappointment and irritation at people. I watched you in the band situation kind of be like, well, I guess that's not how that was supposed to go. I'm curious to see what's going to happen next. Well, and I really started to accept each individual for who they were. and And that's important. That Very. is super important. I also started to do that better with my own son. One yeah, in this particular. is a key. This is a key moment, and we're talking. I'm I'm fifty one, two years old at this point. It took fifty years to learn how to do things just a touch better, you know. Well, that's recovery. But we're also talking about recovery here. That's right. right. That's right. So can't say enough about my recovery, and I could I I could do this because of it. I could learn to do this because because of it. I could practice, and I could actually start to be the type of person that could do this. And, and it was in all areas of your life. I mean, we're we're talking about the band just because it's such a such a fresh thing. But 
I've witnessed you treat every single person in your life a hun- almost 100% different than you did before. Well, and this is saying a ton, you guys, because as you know, we, we separated for a year and it was pretty much because of this. I was, I was angry at whatever it was in my, in my circumference that wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. And you, you point the finger outwards and there's three pointing back. And I don't know, I just, it's hard to pinpoint it, but I, I really, I'll say again, I started to just take people and situations for what they were to calm down and say, accept it like I chose it. Mm. Yeah. Accept them, accept the situation as if you as had if chose, chose it. it. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that's a tough one at first. You think, no way. Right. But it starts, it starts to work. You're a major follower of Eckhart Tolle. So kind of moving forward, you, you reinvent core shot and it, one of the accepting pieces is that it doesn't fill that bucket that you had before of having a crew, but it's filling something for you. And and what I see a, that has changed in you is instead of working really hard to make that one thing be what you want, what you said is, this is what it is. And I can tell for myself that I need and want more. So you started to go and look for for not in exchange of, but in addition to. Yeah, that's a great point, hon. My wife is very clever. She's she's reminding me of all these moments that were very important. But that's where I was really struggling. I just had these grand plans for a core shot. You know, it was it was my crew. It was my 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 drumming was getting better and better and better and actually, you know, on a level where it could be taken out into the bigger picture and be um recognized and and you get you get some success. You get a little bit of Ooh, blood. Good, a little ego in there. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh, that shark gets a little blood in his teeth mm-hmm. and starts chomping. Mm-hmm. And I started chomping on my bandmates like, what's going on here, man? Let, we're supposed to practice. We're supposed to do this, supposed to do that. See, the fuck? Oh. I got back in that effing, I almost said a bad word there, pilot seat, you know. Like this is how I'm, I want like it. I'm in damn control and, oh, wait, where's, oh, there's no God. I'm God, you know. Right. I'm, I'm the God, you know. And, and you were frustrated. I was I was getting pretty darn flustered, yes. And I think that speaks to the fact that we can be making a lot of progress and we can slip. Yes. You can fall right off the path and eat it and get road rash. It doesn't mean you beat yourself up. That's another part, you know, we we beat ourselves ourselves up way more than other people and if you're lucky enough to <laughs> To bring it back around and realize, you know, pause and realize what's going on. You get right back on that path. Give yourself some compassion and gentleness. And that self-compassion, it opens things up to possibilities I didn't even know were there. Right. And so you're right. I said, okay, this is cool. I'm being at, I'm being invited by the universe and by spirit to treat Korshot a little differently than I think I want. And also, okay that and maybe a little something more. Is there something more for me out there to fill in? Instead of molding those people to what you wanted, I love that you let go of that and you said, oh, this is about me. So I'm not in control of anyone else. So what do I need to fill myself up? And another part of that is is it's tempting to go, well, I founded this band. This is my band. This is what it's going to do. I let go of that too. You know, it's like, okay, these are just dudes. You know, we're not professionals. We're just dudes. (laughs) And then, okay, so here here comes the next story, which is 
we play a certain brand of music that another band was already playing. And so there's a little touch of an issue there of stepping on their toes. So I go up to this new venue, this really cool venue. I'm going to give them a shout, the Immortal Bar in Johnstown, uh, Colorado. And I go up to see the other band who I've ne- I haven't met any of them. I've never seen them play. I want to make this a little quick. I watch them. I walk up to each and every one of them. I say, hey, great show. My name's Rich. I'm in the other STP band. And then I get to the last guy, which is the drummer, my fellow drummer. And he just goes, dude. And he just like gives me a big bear hug. That dude has become my my great friend. And he just like wildfire, just like popcorn, just opened up all these crazy opportunities. There's that opening that I had. I was cultivating this this beautiful opening where higher power could just fill it in with me, you know? And and support and and, and friends and a crew that's in a different a different way. And just think about it. I I went up to see the enemy. You know, in a way, if if you got a really neg- person with a negative mind, they're going to say, "Oh, you went to see the enemy." You know. And my whole life, my whole music life, just went boop 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 up like three three rungs on the ladder. I met all these people, and all these opportunities popped up, and it's come to. The original pranksters, they're out of the 90, you know, they're a... Offspring is the name of the band. That sorry. You guys- well, the original pranksters covers the offspring. Okay. And uh, it's similar to that original eight-year band. The first band I was in, Psychoknife, it had a, uh, a punk rock touch to mm-hmm. it. And I've been playing slower, heavier, melodic rock. And these guys are fast punk, but it's, it's incredible. The show's amazing. These new friends of mine say, hey, they're looking for a new drummer. And something got me, Some, you know, this hook got into me. But here's where the final story begins with some of the experience and the practice. I just went into this interesting place. This I started this interesting journey of going, I don't know how this is going to work. I have no idea if this is going to work or not work. I don't know if it's the right fit. I don't know if I can elevate my drumming to playing super fast punk and sustain it for a show when the pressure's on and I'm nervous. And I felt the nervousness. I felt the almost the anguish sometimes when I'm like, my stomach's just tight. Like I'm practicing and I'm like, you know, we're talking stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this, but I really want to, you know. And for you, a month, had a, you had a whole different energy to it the whole time, which I just love. It's like you just continue to be curious about it. Yeah, that's the point here. Is yeah, it, and and to add to the story, the the main, my main contact in in the band, he he was a little bit coy about it, and really honest. Actually, not he didn't start out coy. He started out straight up. He's just kind of he's like I'm gonna I'm auditioning a bunch of drummers. He's like, come on in, you know? And when you, I had never had to audition and fight for a position like uh-huh. this in my entire life, you know? So that added to, to the experience, let's say. And, uh, I go in and, and for only being about 40% prepared, I thought I did really well. And so I'm like, cool. And that, at that time, that was the only goal. I told you straight up, I said, all I want to do is go in there and I'm praying about this the whole time. And that's, that's one of the keys. It's new as well from your Lord. Just let me go in there. And in that moment for those half dozen songs, it's all I really played. Just give me the best I've got. Just help me do the best I can. 
I come out of that feeling excited and and scared. Mm. So I had a lot. It was surprising how much excitement and 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 fear was mixed, and how and how long that I, I went through that for two, three, four weeks. But that's the experience of the of the unknown in the wilderness. And I guess you wanted me to share this because you're we live you know every day together, and you're watching me do this, right? And it's got a new a new depth to it, and I experienced that. It has it had an entirely different flavor to it because I think in the past you would have you would have said this is what I want and I'm determined and if I don't get it and I just watched you allow the the unfolding of it yeah the unfolding word. of it and you kept you kept saying things like well I have a preference for this I really want it but if I don't get it that's what is supposed to happen and that was entirely new and different for how you would have been in unrecovered self. That's exactly right. And it was, it was post that first rehearsal. It was after that. I felt like I did well, but they were still needing, needing and wanting to uh, audition all these other guys. And then we go on vacation. So that was interesting because we go on vacation for two weeks. I couldn't practice. I didn't really want to be thinking about it and crunching on it in my head. So I just, I just, that was a, another way in which I just relaxed into it and, and for a while. I don't know. You could call it a break. It was still in my mind, but gently. That helped. I come back and things kick in a little hotter, and, but I'm still practicing that. I think I want this, and it's up to you guys. If I get it, great. If I don't, great. No hard feelings. It, it's, it, it needs to be right for everybody. And I'm simultaneously praying a ton about it. Most importantly, I keep practicing, but in a different way. I was just trying to stay current, but I wasn't forcing that either. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just going hard as I freaking could because I have to have this, you know? And that's where I want to bring Oprah in again. You know, she says, she says she doesn't really believe in luck. She says it's more, it's more practice and preparation for when the moment of opportunity strikes. Mm -hmm. And I, what I love about this experience that I've watched you go through is that you have a gentleness about you and an, an awareness of the fact that you are in the passenger seat and that you know that you're being guided to the right and perfect thing because if this isn't it, then something even better still is coming and that you can see that you don't have to know that you don't have to know. So then when you get the it makes the, it even sweeter yeah. when you get the text. So when you get the text, it's yeah. like, okay, dude, you've done the hard work and you're in. It doesn't feel like you've forced it. You were able to really feel that fullness of of it feeling right. Yeah. So if we come back full circle to that kid who wanted to be supported, who wanted to be in a crew, and the middle of the years where you were trying to force it, what feels different now? Not only not only in the band world, but there's so many places that I feel like it encompasses. It's your sports. It's your it's my work. It's my it's marriage. Your marriage. <laughs> it's your kids. Like kids. My friends, better relationships. I've watched you treat each of the people that come onto your crew 
More love and respect than ever. More love and respect than ever. And they come and they go, you know, and you're not... I finally learned how to deal with that. You know, now now you just go, well, I know that's how that's going to be versus feeling like, oh, this is the guy that's going to come in and really propel me. When they leave, you bring up a great point. I would be abandoned, stressed out, and hurt. And it's like, really? Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Human. Yeah. Hello, human. To maybe wrap up here, I want to tell you that, you know, where I feel the most supported is by God, Mm. is by my higher power and through prayer. It can be the, I'm starting to believe it can be the goofiest little thing. I used to pray and feel so dumb. Like I'd be praying in my mind, not even out loud, and it would just stumble. It would just be bad. This was not very long ago, but I was doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. I was getting into that sacred space. I think it's is very important. I was trying to speak. Often I think we're just speaking out of our uh, wounded or um, struggling human condition, which is why it sounds silly. But I was putting it out to a higher power. And that gets better. And then what I'm witnessing is my whole life is getting better and and richer and in some ways easier. I would say in a lot of ways easier, but life does also get harder as you get older. It's, it's an interesting, there's an, another interesting contrast, but um, you know, here I am trying to be a punk rock drummer and I'm turning 55 in like five days. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a beautiful trip. I've, I appreciate your being willing to be vulnerable and share your story because I think that we all struggle so much with wanting to be supported, you know, wanting, wanting to find a way to have a group of people that get us and care about us. And we don't know, you know, this band is just, you know, beginning and, and it's going to be whatever it is. That's the other thing that I love about it is for you is that I don't feel this feeling from you that it feels like you're landing on a destination that's going to fix it. It's just a continued part of the journey. Yeah. And they then, just gave me the they just gave me the possibility and now I'm going to remain open. Right. I don't know how well my first show is going to go, but I'm going to do the best I can. Right. And you, you and know. the other thing we talk about is at this age you want to be doing not just what society says is a safe and right thing, but what is what fills your heart? What gives you joy? What makes you expansive what makes you feel alive and so now you've got two bands and work and a wife and sports and all the things that you do and i just encourage you to continue (laughs) to live your life fully and vibrantly because you are vibrant you know one word we hadn't said this whole time is it does involve risk Mm. Mm -hmm. it really does on the human level i guess but that's also leaning into the unknown that in itself has a factor of risk in it. And I think this has been so fun and, you know, it's like giggly when, when I think, or we talk about what's, what's fun has been the experience of joining this band, not joining the band right. and being the man. It's been the, it's been the process and that process involves trust. It involves discomfort unknowns and some risk yeah and and what was really fun is that i you know it paid off i've been blessed this time and and i get to go out and 
see what I can do. And have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think having fun along the way is really important. Well, thank you, Mr. Rich Harrison, for sharing of yourself with me here this morning and with the Recover Your Soul community. If you all could do this with Rachel Harrison, I wish I wish everybody could have the experience. It's very it's very cool. That's what that's what spiritual coaching is. So they can if they want to. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, we just came up with a plug. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, and we say thank you, thank you. Until next time, namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode offered you some tools and guidance and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you are ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions with some support. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and there you can find out more about me, book your coaching or spiritual counseling session, subscribe to receive our email updates, listen to some of my music. I have some originals and I've had various bands over the years. You can also read the blog that includes stories and insights from the Recover Your Soul community. I want to thank you for supporting the production of this podcast. Every single donation makes such a big difference. And you can donate on the homepage of the website. Also, by following, subscribing, reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. I hope that you'll follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group and become part of our transformation community. Share who you are. Share where you're from. Share your story. Let's all connect. Until next time, namaste. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.